Hello everybody and uh, welcome to the Curve Shed and the Race Ride Seek podcast. My name is Adam Lana. I'm the brand director of Curve Cycling. I've uh, taken over Jesse this week. He's uh, feeling a little sick and not able to crack a beer with me. So uh, I thought I'd uh, crack an Abbotsford Stout today because today we're bringing you bit of a chat that we had, or well, actually that Jesse had with the people's champ, Albi Iaquane or Alan Iaquane. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Um, this chat Jesse had with Albi uh, at a Tour de France night that we hosted with uh, Three Point Motors the other week. And um, yeah, it's just a great insight into how Albi got into the uh, into the game and uh, what drives him. I mean, he's a bloody little legend, Albie. I mean, he makes, uh, he makes us all feel young and feel old at the same time. Uh, he, but overall, he is the people's champ and we just love seeing him out there and racing and accepting beers and still winning at the ripe young age of somewhere between... 45 and 50, he won't tell us. But um, yeah, have a listen. It was at an event night. There's a bit of heckling in the background. Um, the audio is not great at the start, but it does pick up a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely Albie fits into the race section of our race ride seek motto. Um, but he also does a lot of riding and a lot of seeking as part of, uh, of his adventures on the bike. Please enjoy. Here is uh, Jesse and Albie talking bikes. All right, so before we get started, I've always known you as Albie, um, but, and I've recently, how do we actually pronounce your last name? Because I've heard, we heard Iacone there, we've heard, I've heard Laconi, I've heard, so wrong. <laughs> so I think, I just know you as Albie, so how do, we, how do I actually pronounce your last name before you get started? Well, the... The proper pronunciation is Yakwane, which I don't expect. Excuse my voice, by the way. I'm a little bit ill with, um, you know. Speak up, Albert! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. My voice is a little bit tired. Yakwane is, is how you would pronounce it, but many Italians might pronounce it Iakwane, and um, many Australians might pronounce it. Iakwane. Iakone. <laughs> The lucky one. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll just call you Albie. <laughs> Albie's right. good. So we're very lucky to have um, have Albie, Albie here. So um, Albie has has um, pr- a pretty incredible history. Um, I just know him as the people's champ um, because he's um, he's always in the mix and he has been for such a long time. But I think Alpi's raced professionally in Europe, the US, Asia, even in the Pacific as well, I think. Um, somewhere there. Somewhere there. 1994 Australian road champion, I think, as well. Um, okay. I think he's... He's... Uh, he's, um, I think he's, he's probably notable from the people he's beaten in some of the races as well. Uh, riders of the calibre of Brad Wiggins, Matt Wilson, <laughs> Mark Renshaw... <laughs> You've probably beaten I've beaten them all. I've beaten them all. <laughs> uh, 
you know, it, it might have been it for the 65th and 63rd place, but I, I still care. You know. But um, anyway, how did you, so anyway, that, that's just a bit of an introduction. But um, how did you how did you get into bike racing? What's your what's your earliest memory of racing bikes, Albie? Well, I I kind of started late compared to some of the other people that I have raced with. You know, I first got a road bike when I was 15, um, and I came sort of from just having a BMX riding around sort of Melbourne, you know, just the, the streets of sort of suburban Nutterwadding. And then I got a, I actually saw the Tour de France on Wide World of Sports on Channel 9, and I thought it was the most interesting, amazing kind of thing, and each weekend I'd, I'd sit down and watch the Wild World of Sports highlights, and I thought that's what I wanted to do, you know, just run, not so much race, but just get a bike and ride around, because it looks amazing. They sort of, you know, they have all the amazing sort of scenery. So I went out and bought a bike, um, and I would, after school, for some, I don't know why, but I'd ride into the city and thinking that was a really nice ride. From Nanawading, straight down Whitehorse Road, into the city, out of the city. Um, and I thought, that's great, it's good. And then I started sort of, you know, venturing off down to the beach and then going to the Dandenongs. And then eventually one day, I, within a, 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 few, a couple of months really, a guy said, I passed, because I used to like sort of racing past these people, and he said, you know, do you race? And I'm like, no, no, you know, I'm just riding my bike. And he's like, if you look up... In the phone book, you can find cycling clubs, you know. So I looked up the closest cycling club, found Blackman Cycling Club, and then got into racing. And that was in a very short space of time of having a road bike within sort of six months. So you had that, so you started You started racing, so you were, was this when you were 15, 16? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And you had the, the dreams, that you, how... Did you have the dreams of turning pro at that stage, or did that just... Um, how, did, how did that happen? Uh, it was a, a combination of just sort of finding something that I really enjoyed and then sort of developing and then developing in a way that sort of getting picked up by, by the VIS or the Victorian Institute of Sport, and then, then the idea wasn't straight away. So it was within a few years of sort of until I was around 20, 21, thinking that this might be a way of making a living. So the VIS crew back then was, I hear it was pretty good. It was good. We had a very very good coach, um, Dave Sanders. He's still involved with the sport. He's heavily involved with Orica Green Edge at the moment. Um, and he's a very good people person. You know? But old school training, lots of motor pacing, lots of sort of... Uh, Sort of strength efforts, sprint efforts. It was, it was um, and big, big kilometres as well. It was, it was always about lots of kilometres, um, as we're nowadays. It's a, bit, a little bit different. Um, so, I was, I was lucky to have a coach. He was my second coach, and, and he taught me more than anybody else. And how did you find yourself in? Um so was was Europe your your first big mission into into pro cycling? Um, yes, yeah, yeah. I how did, did you my find first... yourself there? How did you how did you get over there? What was the... uh, how it happened? I, I sort of uh, was racing. Ninety four was a big year for me because I won the the road nationals, 
Um, and that was with the VIS. Uh, and then I got a scholarship with the AIS. And we had uh, Heiko Solsvedel. I don't know if anybody knows Heiko Solsvedel. He came from the East German sort of um, program and he sort of came to coach the Australian road team. Um, so I, I sort of had a scholarship with them and 95 was my first real year sort of going away overseas. And my first big race was Tour de Pont in the States and that was with Lance Armstrong and there was a few other people and I was like, you know, thrown in the deep end in some ways. But um, by the way, I didn't finish that race. I got eliminated. <laughs> I got time cut. Beer hand-ups. Uh, there was no beer hand-ups. There was, I remember finishing the stage where I got eliminated on and eating a massive pretzel because it was about half an hour after the race had finished and I was so hunger flat that, that the only thing I could find and the team had actually waited so long that they actually left for the hotel. And um, there was Matt White, who's surprising. He's the director of um, Orica Greenwich at the moment or Orica Scott or whatever they are. Um, and I was with him, and we both got eliminated. And he was saving himself for the time trial because he was fancying himself at the, the time trial stage. And he was sort of waiting back a little bit. And I said, oh, you know, we, we should be sort of trying to make the time cut. He's like, no, we've got plenty of time. Anyway, we both get cut and he's out of the race. <laughs> um, so that was my first big race in, in well, it wasn't Europe, it was in the States, but as a professional, yes. And um, what was it like in the in the pro peloton in, in that era, in the, the late 90s. I think you didn't race the tour, but you're probably eligible for winning one because everyone just got, yeah. just been busted yeah. since then pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was it like at, the, at that time? I think you've told me stories of, um, of races where the US Postal guys were there. And, I mean, what was it like? It was, um, I first, in 96, I so I rode 95 with the AOS team and uh, was a little bit disillusioned by uh, Heiko's coaching methods. Um, so I had an opportunity to race for a Spanish amateur team and I took off to Spain and that was through a good friend of mine, Dave McKenzie. So we took off to Spain and from that moment on, I kind of realised things were a little bit uh, not quite right in some ways, <laughs> and um, but you just sort of battle on. You, you know, it, it's 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 a it, it, it's a hard situation, and it, it would take me all night to sort of explain uh, how things were in the nineties. But people rode really fast and really strong. Um, but sometimes, on your good days, you could sort of compete, um, and then. When turning professional in '99, it was another ball game again. It was up another level, and um, so you always sort of, instead of racing a bike race, you were just sort of getting kicked in the teeth a lot, and you know it was it was hard. Mm. So '94 was so it was the start of all that. So you won the Australian Road Nationals. We've got to talk about that a bit. How did you how did you win the Road Nationals? Uh, just tell you the truth, I. I got dropped on the last lap and then I had a teammate um, drag me back to the front group of around 10 or 11 and then they started foxing for the finish. Uh, there was a few good sprinters in there, um, but it was on a very hilly sort of course and it was the first time that um, 
Australia had, there used to be a professional sort of um, road race and an amateur road race. And this is the first time they sort of merged them both together. And so you had a lot of professional sort of riders and they're all sort of trying to fix the race for themselves or sort of, and then I came back onto the group on the last lap um, and then I thought, I'm not going to beat these guys in a sprint. So I attacked and got away with a guy named Nick Gates. He didn't give me a turn at all for the last 2K and luckily I, I sort of out-sprinted him and sort of out-foxed the other guys because they sort of were sort of, you know, looking at each other. So in some ways it was, it was more just a, a way of, of just determination and, and not sort of giving up really. And that's the way I've always kind of looked at, at racing in many ways. You don't have to be the strongest bike rider, but you have to always be there and having a go. Um, so, and that's why I enjoy watching races now and, and seeing, seeing the start of the, the tour that's sort of just started now and seeing how breaks form and seeing how things happen in a race. And not just sort of the biggest guys sort of always winning the race. So, <clears throat> what you, you had a bit of a you had a bit of a spell from racing for a while. What what made you pull the pin on your 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 pro career time? Well, I had two spells, and so at the end of two thousand and um, two thousand, I was racing for a Czech team, um, and I wasn't really. I was disillusioned with, with the whole sport. I, I wanted to be, at that age, I wanted to be racing the Tour de France. I wanted to be in a bigger team and on a bigger contract. And that wasn't happening. And I thought, that's not going to happen. I thought, at this time, it's, 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 it's not happening. So I decided to stop and spend a year out. And I came home um, and I worked in a library. I worked in a pub and, you know, um, then... Fortunately enough, Dave McKenzie was starting a new, new team in Australia that was going to go to Europe. He said, you want to ride? And I'd like, yeah, love to. With a totally different mindset to, to sort of racing, basically. Um, and they were the next two years were probably the best results that I got out of racing in a professional sort of level. Um, and it was more of a mental sort of, sort of uh, attitude. Um, so then... I was meant to, in 2004, sign for a team that was a Belgium-Italian team uh, and that fell through and I got bad news the day of the Nationals at Bunyong and said, the contract's not valid, what do you do? It's like, I've got my ticket booked, I've I've bought my licence, insurance, it's like, no, you don't have a ride, you can't, we can't give you a ride on the team. It's like, ah, bugger. Well, I went across and had it out with the director at the time because he there was lots of promises and contracts signed that didn't really mean anything. So um, I stopped and, and I came back and um, I was sort of didn't really – I didn't ride a bike for five years apart from riding around town and riding to work. And then I was living down Bayside and I would occasionally – I'd walk my dog and realise that there's thousands of cyclists sort of riding along and – eventually sort of got coached back into riding a bike and then started coaching and here I am, sort of, you know, riding around, racing tricks and cross and you know, I love the sport. And so you, you won the you won the 94 Road Nationals and then you you started this cyclocross career. 
Um, and you won the, tw- was it 2013? You won the Cyclocross Nationals? That's correct. The, yeah. Uh, the inaugural Cyclocross <laughs> Nationals. I don't know if there's too many um, yeah, crossover champs like that, but... Um, what what drew you, what drew you into cyclocross? What I, drew you into cyclocross? I think really, I think I was meant to be a mountain mountain bike sort of person. Maybe I'm not sure. I wish I got into cross a lot earlier. I wish I got into mountain bike a lot earlier because it's it's such an awesome sort of uh, way of escape. Because one, you go out for a five hour ride on the road, and your mind ticks over all the time. You know, you're thinking, you're thinking. Unless you're someone that rides with music which I don't um, as we're on a mountain bike or cross bike it's it's your head is an eyeball it's really just focus so you know I, I really kind of like that that sort of idea of you know going out for a ride but then you don't have to be totally focused when you're just off road either you know um, so um, it came about by a friend of mine Wade Wallace he said the Dirty Deeds guys, there's Brunswick Club, they're doing a cross race, you want to come down, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. So I went out and bought a cross bike uh, from the bike shop that I was using. It was the first bike I've bought for 20 years. <laughs> and um, it was like, I got this bike, I didn't know what I was doing, and I had a ball, and that was it. I sort of fell in love with, with cyclocross. And I'm still in love with it, and I'm still struggling with uh, how to get better. <laughs> Um, and I, I think another everyone's got a, I think everyone's got an Albie story, um, obviously. But the you you came back after twenty years, so you won the road nationals in ninety four. You came back twenty years later and had another go, um, and you've been back every. So that was twenty fourteen, right? You've been back every year since. Yes. Um, why why do you keep going back? I think. This year, as so this year, I was sick in bed watching it, and I'd see you coming past the start finish. You'd swing wide a bit, and which meant the commentators had to say something about you at the time. I see Albie knows exactly what he's doing here. Um, I think were you the only non-pro to finish this year? I think you might have chugged beers on the last couple of laps as well on the way up the climb. Um, what's it? What's it like being out there? You know, twenty years later. Quite amazing because I, I first I was uh, rode the first course there in two thousand three, I think it was, um, uh, and there was probably maybe a thousand people on the hill, and it was still a really hard race, you know, regardless of, of the crowds, you know, it's still a hard race. So I rode two thousand four, two thousand three, and then two thousand four. Something like that, um, and then going out there in 2014 was incredible because I didn't really know um, the support that I had on the hill was massive. It was huge. It was, and I got lucky. I made the break, and form was good, and everything sort of sort of really fit. And I said after the race, that performance won't happen again. You know, to make the break and sort of. For, for things to sort of just fit that way, um, I kind of kind of knew that that, that might not happen, and just said, you know, I'm not going to race again. But then the the, the sort of uh, the amount of sort of interest from my coaching business from that 
sort of just spurred me on a little bit and just I just thought, well, why not do it again, you know? Like, you know, keep on training a little bit. You know, two months prior, I start training again and, you know, away you go. But I was very fortunate enough that I had my own coaching business that I could ride. I was riding all the time. So it wasn't like I just wouldn't ride for 10 months of the year and then start training. And I had sort of a lot of um, big support from, from people, you know. Um, so it was, in a way, it was a bit of a no-brainer that I'd just go back again. But uh, the next year wasn't so good. The year after wasn't so good. And then this year was okay, you know. In, as Not a result point of view, because I know that I can't sort of beat the pointy end and race these guys. Until they change the rules for Australia to say no professionals or no amateur races or whatever it is, um, you can get up there and have a, have a crack. Um, so... Until that happens, I'll, you know, well, I don't know. I'll do next year and maybe one more year. But that's a stretch. Yeah, I was going to say, I think 2019, that's going to be 25 years since you won it. Maybe that could be your year. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you beat Caleb this year. Oh, you beat yeah, Caleb. Caleb stopped right. and had a look at, you know. Uh, no, it's a great race, um, but the course does suit my characteristics in some ways uh, but yeah Up and down. It's, but this year was probably the hardest race from what talking to other guys it was one of the hardest fastest sort of races for a little while in, in, in the way it was raced um, it looked like they tried to make it pretty tough on the first couple of laps yeah. and just try to get rid of everyone else who's in the field and just yeah. get get back to who was really meant to be there yeah, in, in some ways, but it didn't. Yeah, it was really, really quite, quite hard for that break to establish, and the break didn't really establish by just an easy move going away. It actually went away from basically just sort of splitting over the top of the, the hill. Um, you ride out there. Yeah, I rode out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't ride out there. No, no. I think um, so. I mean, everyone's everyone's got an Albi story. I could. I haven't known Albie all that long, but I've even in the last couple of years, I've probably got five or six that I'd love to tell. Um, but maybe one of my favourite ones in recent times is um, just early this year, you thought you'd just go out and try to break the fastest ever time that you knew of around the Three Peaks Loop. What was that all about? So the Three Peaks Loop, you know, the one you start at Falls Creek, yeah. So tell us about it. What, what's this? What's this three peaks loop? So and three what peaks, you, you know, it, uh, Bicycle Victoria, you know, did this this ride. Um, started top of Falls, Tawonga, Tawonga Gap, down to Harrietville, Otham, Omeo, Anglers Rest, backside of Falls, and then you know up Falls. So what is it? Two two hundred thirty five k's, about four five thousand meters climbing, something like that. Four. Four three or four yeah. two, depending which garment you look yeah, at. Yeah, okay. You know, so a lot of climbing, fair bit of climbing. Um, so what was the target? Seven, seven, seven and, and a half, half hours. Right. I did it a couple of years ago with a, um, a guy I was coaching. I, I I I would do it with him a couple of times, and we'd do twelve and a half hours, thirteen hours, <laughs> just to get the you know the, the, getting the time. And then one year I went up with. Um, Pikey actually, Andy Pike, and we, and I was hoping to just 
do a casual ride around and just ride with him and just, you know, just have a bit of a fun day out. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, the competitive side got the better of me and said I was riding at the top, whatever it was. And I didn't have enough food with me. I, I had all this extra clothing on because I thought I was going to ditch it at the lunch stop and put it in the, the, the bag, the valet bag that goes back to the... And then it's like, I don't have enough food. I've only got one bottle. What am I going to do? And I rode around with these guys and got to the bottom of Falls and I thought, I'm going to smash these guys. I'm going to ride away from them. <laughs> and they obliterated me. And the, the guy that won it, he did 7.35 or something. I came in at 7.48. Right. I was like, bang, damn, you know. So then I was thinking, well, if I was going out with a friend and I was going to support her the next, you know, on the ride. And she's... Um, she said, uh, why don't you do the loop yourself the day before and have a good ride and, you know. I thought, oh, that's a really good idea. I'll do the ride and then I'll, you know, as fast as I can. See what happens, right? Who knows? So by yourself? I was by myself, yeah. took off, um, and I knew how fast it is to ride seven and a half hours or 7.48 because I didn't stop much. I stopped for lunch at dinner plane for these guys and I arranged for these guys on the on the time that you know that I did it with um, with with them, that they would stop for lunch because I had to take off clothes and get my lunch. They ordered, they had all their food. They had people supporting them on the road, and I was like, they kept going, and I was like, you know. <laughs> so I had to chase down dinner plane and catch back on, and I was livid. I was like very angry. I was like, you know, I'm not going to do any work with you guys because <laughs> you know. You didn't, you didn't wait for me. You could have waited two more minutes. I would have had my lunch and all would have been happy. And anyway, we kept on working and they worked a little bit. And we sort of, you know, we, we were made friends again, you know, by you know. Um So I knew how, how hard it is to ride 748 or seven and a half. I thought, you, you don't stop much. You don't stop at all. So I took off. I had two bottles this time. I had some food in my pockets. You know, I was, I was ready to go. And then got to the top of Hotham out of water. Oh, jeez, now I've got to get some water. So I found a, a place, ran in there, and I was look, always looking at my time. I was like, you've got elapsed time and then time. So I just ran into the, the, the bar, got some water, and two minutes gone, two minutes down, into Omeo, stopped at Omeo, get into the bakery. And I was like, it's a robot man. I, I sort of saw the, the, the fridge with Coke. Get coke, water, apple strudel. I think I got a pie. <laughs> um, refilled water and then took off. And that was a seven-minute stop. That's, that's, you know, nine minutes, that's not good. And then I dropped my coke on the way out of Omeo. I didn't stop to get it. Kept on going. <laughs> then got to Angler's Rest and I was like... <clears throat> um, excuse me, my voice is gone. Um... I need more water. I got a Coke, Angler's Rest. And then a friend actually met me at Angler's Rest and he I was like, do you want a beer? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll have a beer. Oof, that went down. That was no more than three minutes there and then that was it. I didn't stop until I got back to Falls. So um, it was a big day out. And what time What time did you manage to do? I did 7.43. All by um, yourself? Yeah. <laughs> he, he did help me sort of get to the bottom of Falls, but it wasn't... You know, yeah. it, was, it was, you know, um, 
and then the next day you went out and did it all again. <laughs> yeah. Just slightly slower, but more enjoyable, I must say. All right, so, um, well, that's all I wanted to cover with Albie. We'll let him off the hook, but does anyone have any questions for, for the people's champ himself? By the way, I, I, I don't... I've never given myself people's champ. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so let's get this clear. I, I um, somehow it just happened, and I, uh, I, I really um, uh, in, enjoy the, the the label. But in, in many ways, it's yeah, who wants to be called the people's champ. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he's the people's champ. <laughs> Any questions at all for for Albie? None. Good. <laughs> All right. Oh, hang on. We've got one from Pikey. Is there a commitment to finding this year or 2018? Oh, look, it's, um, you know yourself, it, uh, there's a hook, you know, like a, a trout that's been caught, you know, stuck. <laughs> and you just reel it in, you know, just keep reeling along, you know. You're the fisherman and I'm the, I'm the, the trout. <laughs> So there's two more years left at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can say that now because, you know, who knows? Anything can happen. But um, I do enjoy sort of training for it. Um, and the support on the hill is amazing. It really is. Like, I am quite uh, honoured and, and privileged in many ways to get so much support on the hill because I'm not a favourite to win the race. Last two years I didn't finish the race, and this year I, I did, but it's not, you know, I'm, I'm way behind. So um, Just to, to put that into context, so this year there's stories of some young young up-and-comers in the peloton um, who are riding up the hill and they heard all the support. Everyone's just cheering, LB, LB on the way up, and they were imagining that they were calling their name, so using that as motivation. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's good. Um you know, but and each year I've I've trained differently as well. Like it, you never stop learning from your own um, sort of you know training methods in many ways. And uh, so each year I've done something different. And this year I've I probably thought I went into the race with the least expectations in many ways, as where the previous two years I probably put more pressure on myself. Uh, so it, it you know. Next, this year, I'll, I'll change things around again and see what happens. All right. So any more questions at all for, for Albie? All right. Okay. Well, Let's we'll, watch the tour, I think. Yeah, it's, I know. We'll, we'll shut things down for a bit. We'll talk about the tour a bit later. All right. So thank you very much, Albie. How good was that? How good is listening to Albie? What a champ. As Jesse said, everyone has a story about Albie. Um, my story with Albie was at the 2014 uh, Australian Road National Champs. Um, it was actually, I had just joined Curve Cycling and, and I'd only just met Albie actually. I hadn't, uh, hadn't known him for very long. Um, yet, you know, I sort of suggested to him Albie, you know, do you want to ride some of our wheels? And kind of looked at us and went, yeah, sure, I'm happy to give him a try. 
And, um, you know, he, I was just stoked to, that this former Australian champ was willing to kind of bet his race on us. Um, and, yeah, that year he ended up putting on a set of our super light 24 mil carbon wheels and uh, we built them around him and he just looked at us and, you know, his first ride just went, oh, mate, they're amazing. And, uh, yeah, so to see him that year do so well uh, in the breakaway, on television, people screaming his name um, and just that was awesome. I just... That was for me going, wow, this is, you know, what what a great thing to see this little champion just flying up the hills on our wheels and everybody talking about him. So, yeah, and I mean, from that point on, I think I was forever in love with the Aldi. But, uh, no, I mean, he is the, the true people's champ. And it's something that here at Curve, we just, that's what we love hearing about, the, the, the actual you know, who's your people's champ in, uh, in your neck of the woods? I mean, we've all got one. The guy that just is humble, is bloody awesome on a bike, or she. Just uh, the ones that really make the sport, you know, such a good place to be in and just a really good, fun uh, atmosphere. Like So, yeah, oh, we, we would love to sort of hunt down and get stories from uh, all the people's champs that, uh, that exist in, in the cycling and adventure scene. And yeah, so if you do hear, think of anyone that we should actually have a yarn to, uh, let us know, like email us. Um, and yeah, that way we can sort of, you know, spread the people's champ love around, uh, around the universe and, uh, you know, give the, give them some of the, uh, attention that they deserve, you know, even though they don't, uh, don't necessarily take it. Um, but once again, uh, thanks for listening. Um, we'll uh, try and get you some more interesting people to listen to. And, uh, yeah, uh, enjoy. Till next time, enjoy that beer.